Hello everyone, I'm Annie Gibbons and you're listening to Memoirs of Successful Women, the podcast where you get to hear candid conversations with fascinating women from around the globe who share aspects of their business and life journey, how they measure their success and what they have learnt along the way. Hello and welcome to Memoirs of Successful Women. I'm here today with Jane Turner, who is an author, coach, international speaker, and the author of the best-selling book, Mindset for Authors, How to Overcome Perfectionism, Procrastination, and Self-Doubt. So welcome to the program, Jane. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Terrific. I'm super excited to talk to you today because you're not a lady who has just suddenly, um, you know, went into becoming an author and wrote a truckload of books and became this international author. You've actually had this incredible journey. And so I'm really looking forward to unpack your journey of how you actually became an author. So how about you share that with the listeners? Well, I'd love to. Yes, look, it hasn't been a smooth ride by any means. I was working in the government, a public servant for my whole working life up to the age of 52. And some years before that, I did some professional development and that included getting coached to become a coach. And when I took that back to the workplace, I saw some amazing results for people who were prepared to be a little bit vulnerable be prepared to get out of their comfort zone and I saw some people really rise through the ranks so much faster than they otherwise would and that just opened up a little bit of passion in me and I thought listen when I get to a space where I'll feel comfortable to not have a fortnightly payslip then I may take a risk and I thought to feather my nest to take that risk I had noticed the really, really successful coaches had a book that represented them. And I thought, well, listen, I'll start writing a book now whilst I'm still comfortably within the working environment, which was all that I knew for a very, very long time. So I started to write a book and that book took me on an incredible journey. In fact, by the time I was made redundant at the age of 52, I had spent over five years trying to write a book. I'd spent also over $30,000 on various writing programs and coaching and retreats and all of these kind of things. I was afflicted with what I now know is called the shiny object syndrome. And I thought that the answer was over here or it was over there or it was with this program or I needed to do this first. And by the time the hammer fell, on my career in the public service and any stability that I had in my life, essentially. As I say, it it had been five years, it had been over $30,000 and I didn't seem to be able to get another job for love nor money. So I had to get out of my own way. I had to finish the book only to find that essentially I had a parachute my whole life. And I would not have known if I wasn't pushed out of the plane. (laughs) And the book that came out onto the market was called Thrive in Midlife because the kind of coach I had envisaged myself to be was somebody to help women through that midlife phase Mm. because, in fact, I realised in retrospect I was actually writing the book for myself. Mm. I was trying to coach myself into habits of self-care 
that um, I was documenting the way I felt once I started doing some movement, once I started looking after myself in, in terms of sleep and managing my stress, managing my mindset and managing what I was eating. And indeed, you know, I felt a lot better physically, but there was an elephant in the room. Mm. And that elephant is really what was responsible for taking over five years and over $30,000 and having to become so desperate that I had no option but to finish the book. And that elephant was the piece of my history and, in fact, my current history at that time that I did not want to talk about in the present tense. Mm. I was going to be quite happy to talk about it once I'd outrun it. However, that was not obviously the journey that I was on because I had a 40-year history of binge eating disorder and I was quite happily writing in the book that I had a sugar addiction, that I was an emotional eater, but those very, very dark and deeply held secret words that I had mm. essentially eating away at me from the pit of my stomach, I did not want to talk about in the present tense. And one, please stop me if I'm going on too long. No, I'm loving um, <laughs> okay, well, thanks, Annie, because this next piece is really what, what is a big, big rationale behind what I do. At one stage of writing the book, I stumbled on the hero's journey. And some of your listeners may be familiar with the hero's journey, but for anybody who isn't, uh, I talk about it in terms of being like a clock face. And when we're just going about our business, and for me, I was just going to my job in the public service, I was collecting the regular money, I was able to take a day off if I was sick and still be paid, all of those kind of things that I was very used to. When I was doing that, I was in what we call the ordinary world. Mm. And on the clock face, I was at 12 o'clock. Now, doing the coach training was something that took me out of my ordinary world because I got to see that there was more to me than I ever knew before, let alone that there was so much potential in people who are prepared to actually go along with the journey and not resist it. And for me, I started writing the book that wound up being called Thrive in Midlife and was launched in 2014, but I started that in 2009. And in the hero's journey language, I was going past one o'clock and two o'clock. I had the call, and that's what we call it in hero's journey language. I had the call to actually write a book. Mm. And at three o'clock, we hit a threshold of sorts, and that's about stepping over the threshold to the not-so-ordinary world, to the special world. And at that point, often a helper will step up and help you over the threshold. Yeah. And for me, that person was at the Nature Care College where I signed up to do more coaching training because the little voice in my head kept saying to me, but who wants to read a book by you? You're <laughs> not an expert. You're not well-known. You're not even a good writer. And you're not qualified enough. That was one piece of that little nasty voice that I really bought into. So I signed up to get more coach training and that took me to Nature Care College that was the place where I learned about the hero's journey. And among other things, hero's journey is the ultimate storytelling tool. 
And why I needed to learn about it was that I was writing a book like a public servant would, would write a book. I was writing quite a factual, um, matter-of-fact type of do this, do that, and then this will happen. But I realised that when I learned about Hero's Journey, I realised that book wasn't going to really resonate with anybody mm. because it had no heart and no soul. I wasn't telling a story. I wasn't taking the reader through a journey. Mm. So I managed to then start to incorporate some case studies and my own experiences into that book. And I went further along the clock phase. I was going past four o'clock and five o'clock and it was coming along okay. But at six o'clock, I hit what we call the crisis point. <laughs> and if you think of any movies, once you get a bit of a handle on the hero's journey, you'll realise that all of the movies we watch are built around this formula. Mm. And the classic six o'clock moment is when Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker are facing off against each other in Star Wars. And he had to realise, this is Luke had to realise that Darth Vader wasn't just his father but also the dark side of himself that he didn't want to own. Mm. And the dark side of myself was that, uh, that story around the binge eating disorder because the little voice in my head hadn't only been saying to me, who would want to read a book by you? You're not an expert. You're not well known. But it was also saying, who would want a coach like you who is so broken <laughs> and so disgusting that they can't even control what they put in their mouth? Mm. So as coaches, we'll say to people, if you can sit in your discomfort and not go and play out a pattern that takes you out of discomfort and into distraction, mm -hmm. and for me, my patterns were the binging was one, starving was the other side of that pattern, but buying all of the different writing programs was part of that pattern. Mm. And the little voice in my head, because I was sitting in and, and essentially I felt stuck in that discomfort, uh, the little voice started saying different things. And it said essentially, but what if that's not what it's all about? What if you don't have to heal the binge eating before you'll be able to help somebody? In other words, what if you don't have to be perfect mm. to be able to make a difference? And once I got that little bit of permission, I got that monkey off my back, I managed to finish the book. But really more importantly, Annie, I got to see what it was all about. Mm. And what it was all about was actually I was standing on stage at one of Sydney's most famous bookshops called Glee Books. I was on stage at Glee Books launching that book. And I had not been planning to do this, but I found myself looking at my 14-year-old daughter and her 14-year-old friends that she brought along and saying, look, what I want you girls to know is that there is nothing so broken, so shameful or so unspeakable about you that you can't tell someone about it mm. and know that they will still love you and remind you to love yourself. Mm. And, of course, it wasn't just those 14-year-old girls who needed to hear that message. There was a little girl stuck inside here, inside of me, that had never felt like she was okay mm. and she was entitled to be who she was, no matter what she was eating or wasn't eating or, you know, any of that kind of stuff. And at that moment I got another blinding insight 
And it was that I wasn't put on this earth to help women through menopause, but I was put on this earth to help people to share their story and to actually be empowered by owning their story. And therein began the journey that I call Write With Jane. My business is writewithjane.com and I help other people to write their books, essentially to build their business around, but also to share their story and to embody their story and to find out the, the true power of storytelling. And that's really where, you know, people will often say, well, how did you come from being a bureaucrat and a very institutionalised bureaucrat as well, I might say? That was the only, uh, you know, different government departments, but I had worked for the government my whole working life up to the age of 52. And the journey, I must say, of becoming a business person has not been quite as eye-opening as the writing of my first book, but, gee, it has been quite the journey, Annie. I've mm -hmm. been uphill and down dale and learnt so much but had so much sense of purpose that it doesn't even seem to matter how hard it can be at times. I would never go back. You could not pay me mm -hmm. to go back to that, and I'm doing inverted commas that people listening to a podcast can't hear, but to that sort of safe environment that I used to operate in. Yeah. Mm. What an incredible journey. Thank you so much for sharing that. Oh, I don't even know where to start, to be honest. There's so much to unpack in that in that story. I think, first of all, it's incredible to look back, that's right, when you were in that bureaucratic sort of lifestyle of the safety and the security in that, that that is a world that can hold secrets. You know, if you do the same thing day in, day out, and you stay at 12 o'clock, you know, you can get the safety and the security, but you, you never get more. You never get, mm -hmm. um, you know, you never get to rip off the layers. And and with that and exposing those, you know, most people just go, oh, that's scary and that's, you know, could be painful. And, yes, it can be, but every single person that I interview and I coach and, and myself um, as an example, everyone who has done that to actually tap into their authentic self goes and says exactly what you just finished that story with. I would you couldn't pay me to go back because mm. it is that sense of freedom, that sense of of knowing who you are and being being comfortable in yourself and in your you know your imperfections, your your messiness. But that is life, isn't it? You know, that's oh, the crazy thing. That when yeah. you sit there and you look at going, oh my gosh, no one could know this secret. Like this is this is it. And for you, it was binge eating. For me, it was that I was sexually abused as a child. For others, you know, there's so many things and and um, everyone will have their little cross that they bear for whatever reason. Um, and you think it is the world. You know, imagine if someone knew this secret, right? Mm -hmm. But it is so fascinating that isn't that exactly right? Isn't that what we read about? Isn't that what we watch on television? Isn't that what we get engrossed? We get engrossed in the street struggles, the the trials that people, that six o'clock moment of what are they going to do now? <laughs> it's a 
almost oh. like it's too late to go back, but are you going to go forward? And that's the moment that we're all on our edge of our seat going, oh, dear, you know, this is, yes. this is full on. And then it's watching that turmoil and that discomfort and that that stress. And then when you then tip onto that next level, it's like, okay, this is my journey. This is, mm. Yeah. And look beyond the six o'clock point as well, uh, there are, as we, we talk about in Hero's Journey language, there are rewards. Mm. And for me, there was the reward of that, you know, connection with myself and connection with my daughter. But beyond that, some truly incredible things happened, Annie. One of them was an email that landed in my inbox one day saying, you know, hi, Jane, one of our members has just read your book and recommended that we contact you to come and speak at one of our events. And these were the, organizer, the organisers of the Women's Economic Forum events all over the world. Wow. So all of a sudden the person who in their safe life was never forced and never wanted to be seen or heard, that was part of the problem, mm -hmm. is now speaking on an, a stage I went to India in 2017 and spoke at an event that over 2,000 women went to. And further to that, that, that nasty little secret that I kept, I had um, a full page of coverage in the Australian Women's Weekly, which when you think of the demographic for that book called Thrive in Midlife, yes. there could not have been more, more um, appropriate and beneficial positioning for me as the author of that book and from that flowed a page in Prevention Magazine. I was on the Today Extra program, the House of Wellness, the 7.30 report. All sorts of incredible things started happening. Mm -hmm. And this is what I, I collapsed down what was for me a five-year journey into hopefully a number of months, but some of my authors take longer because some of them go off and have babies in the middle yeah. and all sorts of things like that. But I collapse that process down for my authors. I also can automatically get my female authors onto those international stages so they don't have to wait to be found <laughs> as I was. And I help them with the free publicity piece as well. So what excites me more is not so much that those great things happen to me, but that I'm able to really make that happen to other women as well. Because whilst I have some male clients, predominantly my, um, my clients are women for whatever reason. Exactly. And isn't that amazing that that's right. When you, if you went in with a mindset of, I want to write a book to be on world stages and to have all these opportunities, you know, it's not likely that'll happen because that's right. It's just content. It may or may not. Mm. But when you're least expecting it being actually just who you are, because that resonates, there's millions of little girls around the world who then suddenly read a book and then go, oh my gosh, I connect with this lady. I've mm. got that same secret or mm -hmm. I've had those same struggles or is she actually talking to me right <laughs> and so that's it it's exposing yourself in that way um, that the most incredible opportunities do happen and I'm so pleased that that happened for you what do you find with those people who are coming to you now as clients are they saying I've always had a book in me and I just want to learn to write or are they more about wanting to know knowing actually that they're going to go on a journey like I did writing my my biography mm. you go it's almost like I have to go through this journey to learn and unpack myself to then be able to put it out to the world 
Well, look, I find, you know, people come to me because they've been thinking they want to write a book and for whatever reason haven't been able to start or, you know, paradoxically, the other end of that is they're not able to finish. Some will come with 95,000 words and they're lost in the words. They don't know how to structure it. But pretty much, yes, all of the people who come to me know that they are not meant to not write a book, Mm. which is not to say that everybody should be writing a book. There are those of us for whom the journey is about writing the book. And in that case, that little niggly feeling inside will never go away. So I'm taking people on the journey and some are having big transformational moments, not always. Sometimes they're little ones. Sometimes it doesn't happen until after. One of my authors, I should backtrack and say, one of the things I do for my authors is that I run an author showcase event at the State Library of New South Wales. Mm -hmm. One of my authors, a a woman, a a really competent woman, top of her game and who has had an incredible journey as well, she was scheduled to speak. It was uh, Saturday the 14th of November. She rang me on Thursday night and said, Jane, I'm not ready. Um, can I speak at the March event? And I said, well, look, yeah, okay, but tell me a little bit about this. How are you not ready? What's going on? How's this feeling? And she was talking away. She said, I I feel like I'll have to read it. You know, I don't, whenever I try not to be looking at the paper, it, it doesn't come, I freeze up. I said, well, look, let's do it this way. Why don't you come, bring what you've written, and if you wind up reading the whole thing and you're not happy with that, you come back in March. And she said, oh, okay, but I'm not sure. And I said, listen, just come, trust me, come, give it a go. (laughs) And uh, at the end of her presentation, the MC, who is a very, very experienced MC, his name is Tim Stackpole, he has um, worked on all sorts of events. And when he was wrapping up after this lady's presentation, he said, well, You've done something that is very rare. He said, you've provided us with what we call a pin drop moment. Mm. He said, people in this room are forever changed after hearing what you just said. Mm. And there is a photo, one of, you know, one of my most favourite photos of me is when I was on stage at the Women's Economic Forum because I looked like I was there Mm. I was fully present and somebody took a photo of myself and this woman on the 14th of November after she'd spoken and we both had that look and I've got my two very favourite photos of all time are those two photos. It's those moments where it's actually caught and so you can never talk yourself out of having had it, yeah. <laughs> if you know what I mean. Exactly, Annie. exactly. Mm. It's that moment that you're 100% engrossed and just in. you can see joy, you can see that you're captured, in, enchanted, entranced, it's mm. everything. It's one of those, I know those golden moment photos of, wow, you're just in your element, right? And that's mm. what you want to be. That's when you know you couldn't pay me to do anything else. Yeah. <laughs> that's and that you're you on the right path. Yeah, even when I didn't think it was all going to be perfect, you know, the the ingredients just made it the way it should be, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think I think you've touched touched on that moment, even with the clocks. And I don't know how it fits in your in your analogy, but uh, that it's almost like the ninety ninth 
percentile moment, that moment when you're ready to expose yourself can be the most critical. I know it was for me. I was so excited doing the book, reviewing the book, you know, um, getting to the point. And then you suddenly go, oh, now you're exposing yourself. People are going to read your story. People are going to critique you. There's moments mm-hmm. for judgment. There's moments for critique and all of that narrative in your head. Am I good enough? What are they going to think? Do you think you're too big for your boots? Do you think you're not, not good enough? Do you think, you know, anything, you know, and at the end of the day, we know very well, it doesn't matter, you know, Mm. doing it for yourself and for those that you want to love and serve and everybody else doesn't matter. But it's incredible how powerful it is. It's like this panic. And I know you talk about that, that procrastination, that perfectionism, that, you know, that's the moment that you can write for five years and go, what is stopping you from putting it out to the world, right? You've gone way past, you know, investing and and spending that time. What's stopping you from saying, all right, world, here's my book. Here it Mm. is. Mm -hmm. And the universe in my case just took over. (laughs) I lost the job. I tried really hard to get another job, couldn't get the other job and just had to buckle down and finish the book and get out of my own way and just let things happen. Once you put the work in, if you're prepared to let things happen and not be so heavily invested in the outcome, Mm. it was like you said earlier, Annie, you know, if you write the book to get on the international stage and to do this and to do that, it's not likely to flow out in any anywhere near the same level of ease. Mm. And there was one, one absolute moment where I used to joke well, in the beginning when I realised I wasn't going to run a, a business in the end helping women through menopause and I thought, oh, I've written the wrong book. What a classic, you know, I've written the wrong mm. book. As if I hadn't been convinced already, given what had happened to me, that I hadn't written the wrong book. I needed mm. to write that book to find out who I was. But I gave a copy of that book to one of my old school friends. She passed it on to her sister and The sister was, um, you know, had been a heroin addict pretty much as long as I'd been in the public servant. The sister, the service, the sister had been a heroin addict, so she was actually in in hospital, uh, being assessed for the potential of a liver transplant, and you know she was really in in that sort of not great shape. And when I bumped into my friend shortly after giving her the book, she said, "Oh, look, I haven't read your book yet." And I said, that's okay. You know, you get around to it and, you know, I don't need it back. It's, it's a gift to you. She, and she said, oh, but I wanted to tell you how, how I found it, you know, and how I was touched by it. And I said, that's okay when you're ready. And she said, well, but the strangest thing has happened because I've given it to my sister and I saw her last night and I said, where's that book of Jane's? I need to get it back so I can read it. And the sister said to her, look, I've only got a few pages left, but I don't want to finish it. And my friend said, well, what, what's going on there? Do you think, Jane? That's, that sounds a bit odd. And I said, no, it doesn't sound a bit odd at all. I said, I think she might be recognising that I was one of the big girls. So mm-hmm. her sister is the older sister. I was the friend of the older sister. She was two years behind us in school. We went all the way through school. She looked up to us. She mm-hmm. still looks up to us. And for her, she saw that what I put myself through because I was scared and not prepared to be vulnerable Mm. was no difference, no different to what she had done with heroin. Mm. And possibly for the first time in her life, she didn't feel alone. 
Mm. And possibly didn't feel like a loser. Yeah. You know, and so I, I never say now that I wrote the wrong book. I say if I actually never sold a single copy of that book, it would have been worth it. Oh, mm. I totally agree with that. And there's a couple of things there. One, I, I seem to find that, um, I don't know if it's a bit too woohoo, but I feel that books just find their way to the right person. It's kind mm. of, well, that's the way I've, I've found it, that it's almost like you can give it to one person. I did that. I gave it to one who then gave it to her daughter and her daughter was deeply impacted and I'm kind of like going, mm. wow, it's really amazing there and I know that that feeling of you know my sister-in-law did that with my biography she went oh my gosh honey I read it I've read it twice and I went wow you read it twice and she said yeah I read it the first time because I wanted to know about you and then I wanted to know your story because it was an autobiography and then she said I wanted to then read it again to try to to actually just absorb the impact of a lot of the narrative on me and she said so it's interesting you know why someone reads a book and and you know those sorts of things happen all the time that someone will you know um you know and that's that can be part of the journey even writing it you're writing it as you said that first time you're writing down content or you're mm. giving away your 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 truths to help someone else and then you're then starting to put in some scenarios and then you realize by somewhere through the journey that oh, I better do actually some personal sharing and then that becomes huge and then you find all these other things to write about and then it's trying to pack it together and then it's interesting to what the the reader receives. You'll find that, I'm sure, that, mm. you know, what I've thought were big moments, other people go, oh, yeah, that was good, and then they'll <laughs> tap into something else that I might think is quite minor but they will go, oh, that was, that was huge. Thank you for sharing that. You know, it's really... Yeah. Fascinating mm. the whole world of of writing and it's just mm. the, the value in the sharing is incredible yes, absolutely mm. well you're going to have to just give them another book so they can all have one. <laughs> oh, that's right exactly no no there pl plenty of those books made their way out there and um we never know who who they're helping and you know who needs it when they receive it and where it even winds up do you know what i it's interesting that just before Christmas this year and just before Christmas last year, I do a lot of walking, just, you know, I do too much, way too much sitting, but so I try to do a lot of walking. And around where I live, there are a lot of the street libraries, you know, the little boxes yes, where people I love put their them. books that they don't want. Last year, a book was literally jutting out of one of those street libraries two days before Christmas, and I, it was a book on happiness. And I thought, oh, I might take this book. I haven't taken a book all the whole rest of the year. I've taken that book. I've read it. And I thought, geez, I really needed to read that book. It was literally sticking out. Same yeah. thing happened this time two days after Christmas. So it's only just happened. Um, Sophie Scott's book, again, on happiness. I think the universe is trying to tell me something here. I mean, I think I'm quite happy, but I think I might just need some reminders, especially at the end, frankly, of what's been a really tough year. It has been for everybody. I mean, I'm not, not Robinson Crusoe there. But I, just that thing about the books, they're going to find you. Mm. They really will. What were the biggest learning curves you found then once you wrote the book and you said, you you know, just starting a business after being in the public service all that time and you're then suddenly setting up yourself up as an author coach, you know. Mm -hmm. So there's one, the practicalities of the, of you know, your your coaching and your, your um, soul 
um, trader practice. But then there's also then, you know, do you become a publisher? Do you do that for other people? What were the biggest learnings and challenges that you had in that time? Well, uh, yeah, there's, there's, there's probably too much to talk about. But yes, indeed, one of them was that after publishing the first book in a way that cost me, I would say, quite a lot more than it should have, and then finding another option for my second book. So I actually bounced off the first book, which is Thrive in Midlife, wrote a second book called Weight Loss in Midlife, How to Get Out of the Diet Trap. And that was all about, you know, the, the falling into all of those traps and the binge eating. I had a lot of um, purging to do mm-hmm. and I used it, you know, did a book essentially to do that. So that second one had a second experience of publishing where I actually went down a different route that was um, a lot less expensive but had some um, oh, difficulties built in and a whole lot of delays experienced. So by that stage, for my third book and for all of my author's books, I now have my own imprint called the Power Writers Publishing Group so that I took that control in-house. So I think to answer your question, there's two, two kind of different ends of the same scenario. So I bought the publishing side of it in-house because I I know that industry too well and in many ways it's like the Wild West. So I don't want any of my authors wasting energy or money or time there because they need all that energy and any spare money and their time to be out promoting the book Mm. because books do not sell themselves. That's lesson number two. But the other side of the scenario is the not trying to do it all yourself. Mm. Um, You know, there there is that thing about, well, initially maybe we're not very well cashed up, so we more or less have to. But since I've been in a position to, for example, bring a digital marketing agency on board, life got so much easier for me because I can't for the life of me really you know, get my head properly around all the SEO stuff, all the, um, you know, heat maps on your website business so you see who's been spending how much time where. I mean, my brain doesn't work like that. But it's only been this last year where I've been able to afford to bring people on and to have a consistent approach to that. Yeah. Uh, I, got, I got X amount of, of the way along by a haphazard um, throw it at the screen type approach yeah but um meanwhile now that it's a lot more coordinated have a lot more confidence if nothing else really exactly and isn't that amazing that you will say as a coach that to other people in the writing process that you're going to need a coach to help you through all of those those Mm. elements that I now know as an expert whereas Mm. we in our own self it took me a long time to do that to actually go we are what are those areas that are just zapping my time and energy all of that Mm. website stuff some communications marketing whatever uh to actually go yeah once you take that out of the um, your your day-to-day, you can focus on what your junior zone is and, and those it. things that you mm. love. But it takes a long time for that to click, doesn't it? Mm. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It must be that superwoman thing that we sort of all hold um, tight that we all think we can do it all. But, yeah, you just run out of hours and it's exhausting. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And you don't want to burn out because no matter how much we love what we do, mm. burnout mm. is a real possibility. Mm. If we don't have good boundaries, I suppose that's my other piece of learning too, you know, have some good boundaries. Mm. Yeah. Be prepared to say no. You know, um, I'm, my, my fourth book, which is a kind of a repurposing of um, 
mindset for authors. I'm repurposing it into mindset for business and some of the additional, um, I'll call it conditions, you know, shiny object syndrome is not a condition per se. Neither is people pleasing, but I'm going to call people pleasing a condition because that that was a very residual, um, you know, hanging on by the, by the skin of its teeth to my psyche, the people-pleasing thing, whereas I'm not helping anybody by not saying to them, I don't think we're a good fit. Yes, exactly. You know, that's, it's not good for me. It's not good for them. Mm -hmm. um, boy, there's no way I could have done that even four years ago. Mm -hmm. I don't mm -hmm. think. It's, it's, it's all been a bit of a slow burn. There's, there's plenty more to come too, mm -hmm. I reckon, more learning to do. And that's ah. part of the journey. I mean, that's what being alive is all about though. Exactly, exactly. And you want to be open to learn those learning opportunities, otherwise you're not growing. You know, the mm. one day you sit back and go, yeah, I haven't learned anything for a while. It's like, well, you need to push yourself out to that next level of, yeah. of it because there's always new things that we can, can be learning, that's for sure. What do you say to those people who automatically come to you as an author and go, well, how many books did you sell? They're all into the sales. They're into the number. Yes, and I, I find that really irritating. It's kind of like going, well, how many people have you you recommended to sell if you're so interested in me and my mm -hmm. my return on investment how many people have you told to buy my book it's really okay. a strange thing I found <laughs> well look I, I was at, asked a really great question we had a Q&A session not at the last author showcase but the one in 2019 and somebody in the audience said how do you know your book is going to be a success hmm. And my, there's a bit of a different question to the one you posed there. And my answer to them was, well, first thing you've got to do is be clear about what success means. Yeah. And I had two of my other authors in the, in the room, and I don't mind naming them because they're very proud of what they've done. One of them is a lady called Shannon Chin, and she wrote a book called Demystifying Dementia. And her goal for that was to give away a 1,000 free copies of that book to the families in need. Mm. Now, Shannon is a success story. How many books has she sold? Not very many because her aim mm. was to give that many away. Now, as far as selling books go, of course, you, if you're smart with the way you lodge your book on, on Amazon, the categories yeah. you put it under, you've got to be smart and you've got to be promoting the thing. Yes. They don't exactly. sell themselves. But there's another story I want to share as well. One of my other authors, Jill Healy Quintard, she was nominated, Jill's amazing story as well. She's a 64-year-old woman, has spent her whole life in the teaching and fitness area, and she was, at the age of 53, nominated for the first time as one of the top five group fitness instructors in Australia in um, the, oh, what do they call the, the, the big um, fitness event called Phylex. Yeah. So she had started writing her book, Yoga Pilates Fusion, with me when she found out that she was nominated. She said, can I get that book in time? I want to take copies of it with me to the event. Well, I managed to drive. She's a, a Northern Beaches person as well. I managed to drive a box full of books over to Jill oh. at 3 o'clock on the day that the presentation ceremony was for the group fitness instructors, and she was able to give out copies of that book to influencers in the room mm. and she has since built some you know um not uh, not joint ventures per se but collaborations with with people in that industry because of the status of uh, a published author 
coupled yes. with, of course, top five group fitness instructor. But that was her her goal was to be able to do that. Now, Jill sells a lot of her programs off the back of the book. She's giving away the book a lot of the time. I give away Mindset for Authors a lot of the time as mm. well. These are our business cards, essentially. Yes, mm. yes. I've noticed that a lot. You know, that's right. You'll get top, top quality um you know, international speakers giving away their book because it's obviously is. It's like their business card. Get to know mm. me and you'll want to have more. And you'll have other people who'll go, I want to sell this book. I want to write this book and sell it and and try and, you know, become famous through it or um, make a certain amount of money for it. That's right. We all measure success in different ways. You know, I know mm-hmm. my biography was first of all for me and then to leave a fam- family legacy, but also through my coaching program that everyone who enrolls in that program would have my my, my story so that they can see how I, I want to be 100% raw and transparent with them mm, as a coach. Mm. And then on the flip side, that's right, if I speak at events and other things, you could virtually, you know, I'd love to then obviously sell books or you get that credibility as an international speaker when you've yeah. got a book. So there's mm. so many uses, I suppose, of a book. So I, that's why I started with that question to you because it's quite fascinating. It was a, one of the first things that people started, you know, I'd only had, had a book out for a week and then like well how many have you sold how much have you made from it and you kind of go well that's interesting it says a lot more about them than than Mm. than you right it's yeah they're saying okay they're all into the sales and the return and the money whereas Mm. I I find you know from those who I've interviewed and and coached into in your world uh most of them aren't in it that for the money they're into it for a variety of other reasons you know Mm. and a lot of it is that personal journey and then being able to use that asset in a broad range of ways right Mm. because as as coaches Annie you would know that for some people it's a big step to take to sign up and be coached and I see the book as really essentially building a bridge between you and your potential client because they can get a sense of um, you know feeling getting a good feel for you Yes. I mean, I was, on a, I was on a women's summit the other day with a gorgeous lady, Debbie Debonair, who's who's in the UK. And that's because she, uh, she'd read my book like three times, really resonated. And then she's doing other things. And all of a sudden I'm on her speaker event and bits and pieces. And it's really incredible that you, that's right. By reading your story, I've had so many women from around the world go, I feel like I know you, you know, mm-hmm. and all, or even when you meet them for the first time, they're going, I know, I know we're only just meeting, but I feel that I do because there's so much sharing obviously uh that they've they've read and and and, and um yeah it's sort of just you feel like a sister you feel connected yes. in, in the type uh-huh. of book that i've had uh and the same thing i've got a new book coming out uh in february called twins because i had two sets of twins uh and that was a classic thing for a different purpose that when my twins were little i wrote this book called double trouble, double treat. And it was more like a booklet because who's got time to write a book when you've got two sets of twins in 26 months. And uh, so I wrote this little booklet more that I just get out all my thoughts of, oh my gosh, if anyone else is in this scenario, they've got to know what you need, what to get, what to do, whatever. Uh, So it's a funny little booklet. And then now I'm like, you know, in my fifties going, oh my gosh, I can share my actual journey. It doesn't have to be perfect. It actually will be the funny bits, the challenging bits. It's the crazy bits, the yes, you need certain stuff, but don't worry about, you know, what what brand, what type, find what you want. It's a fascinating different view that you can approach a book in two completely different ways. Uh, and then also to the flip side of, yeah, I can now be, yeah, I, you know, 
that's right. I did did bear and raise, you know, all, all these children, and and you can be a twin expert in your own in your own way, um, speaking about that with real authority. So it's just fascinating, um, you know. And other people will want to write a book on fishing or or whatever it is, you know. It's so interesting what drives them. And um, and I I as a reader I love the ones that are written because they just are a great story, you know, mm, and they're. Yeah. They're warts and all. They're they're raw and interesting, and um, or they're actually really helpful. They're written in a way that's not authoritative and not mm-hmm. judging. Um, they're just sharing, and you know, this might help you. It helped me, and then they'll go, "Yeah, that's really sound advice. Yes. <laughs> I'll take that." Mm-hmm. Oh, well, what an incredible journey that you've had. Uh, I think it's so fascinating, and I thank you for sharing it with me today. Uh, and I love the way uh, because this this podcast is called Memoirs of Successful Women. It's all about yeah, what is success, and it's really interesting that you've had a long career in one role. And it doesn't disrespect the journey that you had at that time. I'm sure you were very, very good at what you did working in the public service. But it actually has shown me today that, yeah, you know, success for you is even very different to those who are now coming to you for coaching and, and all of their reasons. And, uh, and I think that's always a, a really great learning that, yeah, success in your own terms is what it's all about. So where to from here, Jane? Where to? Well, I, I have my fourth book is coming out. Actually, you're, you're aiming for February. I'm aiming for February as well. So that's Mindset for Business. Mm. And uh, that's, of course, sharing a lot of, you know, what I went through in terms of the whole shiny object syndrome thing, the old um, just not recognising red flags when you don't want to see them. Mm. Uh, all of those kind of things. So I'm looking forward to that. I've got my next author showcase event in March next year and I'll have another one in uh, October as well. So those are two big focuses. Those events now really anchor me in and they provide a real incentive for not only Sydney people but I have, of course, I've still got some people in Brisbane who weren't able to come to uh, the event in November just by a couple of weeks, sadly. So normally I get people from Melbourne, from Brisbane, sometimes further north. I had a lady from Toowoomba um, earlier as well. So I'll be having people from all over Australia coming to those events, possibly one from New Zealand this year. And um, I, what happened through COVID, though, was I started reaching out because of Zoom, essentially, mm. reaching out to people in the US. So potentially, I don't see myself going to the US in 2021, but potentially in 2022, if it's safe to go, um, I'll be running possibly an author showcase event over there. Wow. So I'm... Um, Hiding you know, times ahead. Yeah, just just loving to see that that moment where the authors make it real. Mm. I mean, yes, they've got the book in their hand. How real does it get standing on stage and talking about it? Oh, completely really, different. Really it's a powerful skill set, isn't it? Mm. Isn't it? It's a joy to do, but only if you have the words. Someone who can have those words and put them on paper, and then I can't articulate it to their uh-huh. audience. Oh my gosh, that's the biggest frustration and can terrify people but that's uh-huh. a whole other <laughs> other hero's journey for somebody. public speaking yes mm. exactly something mm. that we just love to do other people find their worst nightmare <laughs> yeah. 
Yep. But it's all part of the package, isn't it? You know, yes, right. indeed. Wow. Well, thank you so much for being on my program today. I wish you all the best in your future success and I look forward to following the story of Jane Turner. Where do people find you again, Jane? How do they connect uh, with you? Well, my website's the easiest place and that's www.writewithjane.com. Fantastic. Writewithjane.com, everybody. Go and check out Jane if you've got a book inside you waiting to come out or if you've got one that you've been just wallowing over for way too long and you'd love someone to just make you smile and help you put it all together uh whatever your need is yeah connect with jane she's an absolute delight and thank you for sharing today thank you annie thanks so much for listening to this episode of memoirs of successful women you can find me at anniegibbons.com where you can download my free resources, get connected on social and check out my online magic transformation program. If you love this show, feel free to subscribe to future episodes and of course, share it with your friends. I'll see you again soon and until then, happy podcasting.